Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Heman. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape. We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. I'm your co-host Elroy and this is India Fintech Diaries, the podcast show where we discuss the latest trends in Indian fintech and speak to some amazing guests from the industry. Last week, we discussed the new hot buzzword of the year, embedded finance and its implications on India's financial services sector. Continuing our discussion on embedded finance this week, we have a very special guest to take us deep into the world of embedded credit. We have with us Anubhav Jain, co-founder and CEO of Rupify, India's first embedded lending fintech. Welcome to India Fintech Diaries, Anubhav. Thanks, Eamon and Elroy for having me. We are very excited to have you, Anubhav. To start with, why don't we start with your personal journey, Anubhav, and the purpose of creating Rupify. I've been in the financial services space for the last uh, decade or so. Most need has always been about credit and lending, right from when I started working for American Express, where I looked at commercial risk, consumer risk for their cards portfolio, based out of India, working for the US market. A lot of interesting insights during those five years all around credit line strategies, underwriting, and especially because uh, this was a time just after the 2009-2010 recession. So a lot more focus on collection strategies and how do you build robust portfolios when it comes to credit. Post that, I also worked at EXL leading subprime lending strategy for Citibank. And that was a game changer because post-recession, everybody starts to cut down on how they approach a near prime or a subprime segment. We were looking to re-enter that segment because in a subprime portfolio is where you make a lot of money. And that was the time when I realized that I had worked for US markets, gathered a lot of insights from a credit risk collections and data analytics perspective and came into the Indian fintech space. Started a company on the consumer lending side called Kubera, where we scaled the portfolio on the salaried personal loans. But over time, I realized that Indian consumers through various channels when it comes to financial products are now being served by banks, NBFCs, fintechs, and the coming of new age companies on the neo-banking side as well. But when it comes to small businesses, the SMEs, there is a large market that's underserved. And that's where my journey took a turn, where I decided to move towards working towards creating more access, more opportunities when it comes to financial products for smaller businesses. And as you go smaller and smaller on the SME front in India, this problem becomes much, much larger. And there are various reasons why we started Rupify the way we did or why we are doing what we're doing today. To give some perspectives on very large front, today SMEs account for almost 40% of India's GDP. But if you see over the past few years, that contribution, that number has not grown because SMEs in India have not really grown. And one big reason is access to financial products. And if you compare to other economies outside India, like US, China, and even some of the countries in Southeast Asia, credit has created a huge platform for small businesses to grow. So we clearly knew that this is something that's going to come up. There are a lot of macroeconomic and policy decisions taken by the government and by the startup ecosystem, which can change that. And that's where we also decided to jump in and work towards making sure that credit is more democratically accessible for smaller businesses. And that's essentially what Rupify aims to do in a sort of an embedded model. That's right. Uh, when you say embedded credit, uh, Rupify is actually positioned as the very first embedded credit fintech in India. 
I think it will help our audience to understand a little more about what exactly embedded credit means. Uh, maybe you could just quickly take us to the concept. I think as we try and understand embedded credit, I, it's very important for us to understand how financial services and credit as a whole has evolved over the last yeah. few decades. There was a time when there were large financial institutions that came up, companies like the ones where I work, like American Express, Citibank in India, the ICICIs and the HDFCs came up, Bajaj Finance became a large giant. Then came a time, uh, close to a decade, where new age non-banking entities, new age digital NBFCs, digital fintech started coming up and started offering credit products. And we saw the likes of Capital Float, Lending Card, on the SME side and the likes of uh, PaySense, Zest Money on the consumer side, creating innovative products for uh, the Indian consumers. I think what has happened now is because of penetration of smartphones, internet being accessible at a very, very low cost, demonetization, UPI, all of this has set the platform for Indian consumers to start going more and more digital. And when I say consumer, it, it applies to the smaller businesses as well. Because of that, as companies, as consumers go digital, they start using products which are available over digital platforms and marketplaces. And it becomes increasingly important that as they transact digitally, whatever products that they consume on the financial services side are also provided to them in the same digital platform. So in summary, the way to understand embedded credit is the process of embedding a credit product in an otherwise non-financial product or service is essentially embedded credit. To take an example, I go to Amazon and I try to buy a television and Amazon instantly provides me credit to a buy now, pay later or through an EMI on my card. That's essentially embedded credit where there is no redirection. There is no third party that gets involved. There is no outside system that tries to act on behalf of Amazon. It feels to the customer like it's part of the journey. It's the same service that they are buying and acts like just a feature added on top of your transaction. But it's much more than that because there are systems talking to each other in the background to make sure that this is completely seamless. And that's why we call it deeply and integrated or embedded. That's pretty interesting, Anubhav. It throws a whole new light into what embedded credit means. Let's dive a little bit deeper into it. And I'd like to do this by uh, actually looking at your products, uh, Pay by Rupify and cash at once. Could you help us understand a little more about these products in the context of what you just explained? So I think when you talk about SMEs, there has always been credit available in the offline space as well. So if we take a look at a typical retailer going to a large scale distributor and buying products from them in the FMCG kind of a scenario or in the pharma kind of a scenario or in a right. grocery retail kind of a scenario, the distributor has always in the offline space provided some kind of credit to these uh, smaller retailers. This may not have been present in the more structured or formal fashion and may not be available to every single retailer. But for decades, this has existed in India and in other places as well. Now, fast forward, what we are th seeing today is that distributor is getting replaced by digital marketplaces, digital aggregators. You have companies like Udan, which have become India's fastest unicorn, which are completely changing how SMEs buy. So I think what we have also realized is B2B in India is currently an $800 billion industry. And if you look at its growth, it's going to be more than a trillion dollars in the next couple of years. But digital B2B 
and i would put some of it coming from covid as well digital b2b is only a fraction of that but it's growing at 10 times more pace than the overall b2b market and we all would agree why that is happening because the government is taking initiatives around gst e invoicing becoming mandatory your payment systems have improved mandates around upi have been created so collections has improved bank transfers like nft have become 24/7 account aggregator systems are coming in which would make data more accessible so all of this combined creates the platform for b2b transaction space and b2b credit space to be disrupted so what we are trying to do is use the timing of all of these macroeconomic and policy initiatives and say that hey any smaller business which today does not get credit because of various factors their size is too small the data does not exist they don't have a balance sheet which is audited by a chartered accountant for someone to underwrite them their uh, business is mostly cash but they do interact with a particular entity on a regular basis can we completely transform the way they access credit by embedding a product which can be used for their day to day purchases so essentially what we do is we go to these digital platforms and marketplaces which are b2b so imagine a large aggregator platform where all the grocery kirana shops go and buy imagine a large pharma marketplace where all the pharmacies and medical stores go to buy their products can we offer them instant credit on every purchase and collect that money from them after 30 days or 60 days the way it happens in the offline scenario the difference would be that this would be large scale accessible to everybody without prejudice of a distributor because in the offline space the distributor takes that call it's a sign that he has developed over time right but there is no there's no logic behind it there is no model running that guides who gets credit from the distributor and at what price and obviously there is a working capital hit that the distributor takes for all of this so in the organized retail digital space we want to make this also more organized and say that hey i'll sit and embed myself inside these digital marketplaces give a simple buy now pay later product for the smes and we call it as the india's first sme buy now pay later completely focused towards smaller businesses and ensure that their liquidity problems their working capital problems when it comes to making purchases and inventory management gets completely solved because it's a fully digital seamless product integrated deeply inside their distributor which is a marketplace got it anubhav so thanks for explaining it anubhav but just to illustrate it, it, it a little bit more if you can take uh, one of your existing clients i, I see that you are already live with find sure. and then walk us through a customer journey of uh, how the customer will come to know of of uh, the product which is there how the underwriting will happen for that particular customer on what data how the amount will get disbursed for this customer and in what duration the customer has to then repay and how, then how does the collection happen if you could just walk through the entire journey for our listeners and for us as well i think it will just illustrate it it, it better for us absolutely and what i'll also do during this process is draw analogies to the offline space in terms of how it happens today and how we are trying to change it so that would really help yeah find is one of our uh, deeply integrated embedded partners and for benefit of the listeners find is a very well known fashion b2b platform today in india they have a b2c arm as well but they have created a dedicated b2b platform called unicate where tier 2 tier 3 fashion apparel footwear retailers go and buy directly from brands 
Now, Unicate by Find offers the same value as any other digital B2B marketplace does. Convenience, product, pricing, assortment, and obviously, it gets rid of multiple intermediaries so offers you products at a cheaper cost. And the biggest advantage for the SME here is there is no minimum order quantity. You can go buy one product, mm-hmm. one brand as well, and there is nobody who has a put a limit on that. So typical customer base, if you understand who the customer is, is a very small footwear shop which stocks multiple brands in one single premise in a tier two town of Uisa or Jharkhand. In fact, if you look at the customer profiling or the distribution of the retailers which buy from Find, majority of them come from tier two, tier three towns in far off areas, in states where you would not typically find an offline distributor in multiple districts. And that is where the power of a digital marketplace comes. So what we do is these thousands of retailers who are buying on a regular basis on the fine platform, the first step that we do is as we are deeply embedded inside the fine systems, we constantly churn the data that we see from their historical purchase. And based on that historical purchase data, we try and arrive at who can be pre-approved or pre-qualified for some kind of a credit. So let's say there are 1,000 retailers on the platform. We look at their historical cash flow data. And I think the stress on cash flow here is important because in our kind of model, we move away from the traditional approach of balance sheet-based underwriting to cash flow-based underwriting, right? So there is a lot of focus that we put, a lot of emphasis that we put on cash flows that we read directly from our partner systems. In this case, it is fine. We look at things like consistency of cash flows, vintage with find, how much does this particular retailer buy month on month? Do we see growth? Do we see decline? Do we see volatility? Do we see seasonality, etc.? Basis that out of every 100 retailers, let's say we qualify X number of retailers. Now what happens is because we have deeply integrated through our APIs inside the fine systems, any pre-qualified merchant or retailer starts seeing a notification as soon as they log in to the Find app that, hey, you are pre-approved by Rupify for a credit line. And again, credit line is important here because we are not giving them a loan, right? It's not money in the bank. It's a closed loop end use specific product. And it's a line product. So it gives them full flexibility in terms of how much they want to use, when they want to use, how much they want to pay and when they want to pay, right? So the interest calculation is completely based on the amount you utilize and the number of days you utilize it for. So coming back, as they see this pre-approved offer on the fine platform, the retailer can quickly go and do two things. Provide consent for more data sharing from credit bureaus and in future from the account aggregator where we can pull things like GST transactions, uh, banking transactions, etc. And the second, give their KYC information. Once this is done, a final approval is generated instantly, a digital agreement is signed, and the customer is all set to start using his credit line. This is part one of the process where I have onboarded the customer in a completely seamless fashion. And because we're talking about embedded credit, payment and Elroy, I think I need to really point out that this entire journey happens within the partner system. There is no redirection. There is no moving out to a third-party platform. The customer does not have to download a Rupify app. The customer does not even have to go to a Rupify link. It all happens within the fine platform. But the data still comes back to us and we are able to take those decisions on a real-time basis. In fact, the beauty of embedded credit is that this could actually be fully white-labeled and the customer would 
not even realize that there is another entity at the back. They would feel like Find is offering them a product for their day-to-day transactions. And that's the kind of customer delight that embedded credit brings. Now, the moment this part one is over, where I have approved a customer, next time the customer goes, selects products, goes to the payment page, he's at the checkout stage, and he starts seeing Rupify credit line as a payment option. It's an, again, a buy now, pay later product. So you see Rupify credit line as a payment option. You click on that. Instantly, we deduct from your credit line. The transaction is authorized. The delivery happens through find to the retailer. The transfer of funds happen from the lender to find. And the customer now enjoys credit based on the credit cycle we have approved them for. This could be 7 days, 15 days, 30 days, depending on their risk profile. And they have that much time to pay back this drawdown amount or this transaction amount to us. Once they pay back, the line gets automatically reset and they can again start using it. So till the time they have the line with them and they are paying us on time, they can use this credit line without doing any other kind of a KYC check or giving any documents for a period of up to 12 months. So essentially, what we see is this is an embedded product given to them in a seamless fashion, powering almost 10 to 15 transactions in a month or 100 transactions over over a year with just five minutes of effort at the stage one of the onboarding journey. So that's how this whole thing works. Uh, The complete repayments, the complete statements, everything happens within the fine marketplace uh, platform. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Uh, So if I understand this correctly, if I have a marketplace like Find, right, essentially the entire life cycle of that particular uh, credit line can actually be visible to my customers right within my app. Am I understanding that correctly? That's right. However, there are technical challenges and technical nuances to building the entire thing. Because now what we are also saying is that the entire customer experience has to be created within the find or the marketplace platform. Right. So what we have done is created two things. A, a set of APIs where we can power all these features, but the front end is built by the partner because they want to ensure that there is a seamless experience they are giving so if their app looks in a certain fashion if they have a certain theme in their app all the credit related pieces have to be also designed and the front end has to be put up in the same way there is a second feature or service where we provide the front end as well where we say that hey we can host it at our end but the customer sees it within your app so we open it in an embedded fashion in such a way that while we are hosting it we are designing the front end we are hosting the back end we are giving you the APIs. But as the customer clicks on show me my statement, show me my dues, I want to make a payment, I want to make a transaction, they still feel like they're within the Find app and they Mm. have to move out, even though we are doing all the heavy lifting. So these are two ways in which the whole integration can happen uh, depending on the technical feasibility and the bandwidth of the marketplace. You know, that's interesting about that up because that actually brings me to my next question, Anubhav, right? What are some of the technical challenges that you might have faced when rolling out the platform? Now, while you touched on some of these uh, already, I'm sure there'll be other areas like uh, scalability, for instance, as the platform uh, scales up, uh, ensuring that uh, you have the right architecture in place to handle a higher number of API calls would also become very important going forward. So just wanted to get your sense uh, as you're rolling this out, what are some of the technology challenges you faced initially 
and uh, how do you see that coming along as well because we discussed two stages of this entire journey the first challenge that comes in any kind of sme credit whether it's embedded or whether it's not embedded is during the onboarding of the customer right because even though we are seeing a lot of movement today in terms of how you access credit bureau data in a real time fashion how do you access banking transactions gst transactions using just an otp but when it comes to kyc especially for a private limited or a partnership entity the process still involves a lot many documents to be fulfilled by borrower and that creates some kind of a friction or the break in the overall experience of the customer because we are saying we are embedding the entire credit journey inside a marketplace the challenge sometimes comes in the fact that the customer is owned by the marketplace in the first place and they want to make sure that the customer does not have to move out the customer does not have to provide a physical document he doesn't have to go and print a certain kyc piece of paper and provide you with his wet signature so how do you overcome that i think there are lot of discussions that are happening in terms of how can we simplify kyc for businesses the way we have done it for individuals that could solve part of the problem but till that time getting proprietorships on board is still easier but when it comes to larger entities and when i say larger larger does not necessarily mean larger in terms of turnover but it's just that they have been incorporated as a partnership or a private limited yeah the regulatory part of completing that kyc leads to some challenges in the overall integration that's point number one in terms of what challenges we face the second is we are talking about digital marketplaces here as our customer right because that's where yeah. we go and try and embed these products a lot of these digital marketplaces while they are digital have solved for two things one supply chain and two logistics the kind of technical bandwidth that they have is still very limited because essentially they have just created an app it's an e-commerce pl- platform or a portal where somebody can go and buy some of them have just done a simple magento kind of an integration and some of them have built their own but at the back end their core competence lies in sourcing the product making the supply chain more efficient making the logistics part of it more efficient solving the delivery side of things and technology is just an enabler for that right they've just created a front end to power this right because of that when we talk about deeply embedding a credit product it at some places becomes a challenge in terms of getting the right technical bandwidth and also in changing some of the systems at their end because if we look at a transaction journey the order is still placed on the marketplace platform the invoice is generated by the marketplace the fulfillment happens at the marketplace what is the trigger point for us to transfer money what is the trigger point for us to adjust this credit if there is a return or a refund and that happens in a lot of scenarios right it's not just a indian sme that's used to uh returning objects after 3 4 7 days it's it's prevalent everywhere so what if i have given him a credit today for 2000 rupees and after 4 days the marketplace comes to me and says that hey the business has returned products worth 200 now who will bear the cost for that 4 days of interest for that 200 rupees of returned item those are some of the challenges i think from a product perspective process perspective that we face technically also i think one another challenge that we see is the customer getting 
educated about this product because so far in the offline space the interpretation of credit has been very simple for them take 30 days credit from the distributor and pay them after 30 days and this is the amount of interest you are paying but when it comes to a digital credit platform how do they see that whether they are being fairly charged interest or not how much right. of interest has been charged how do they pay on time so that they can save some interest cost on their particular transaction when do they expect uh, the marketplace to tell them that there is a payment that is due what kind of notification systems are there who is educating them that this credit line is actually there to help them what if they want to buy more than what the credit limit is there can they mm. ask for a line increase so those are certain things where the ownership becomes a challenge who owns this entire customer hand holding is it owned by rupify should it be owned by the marketplace i think those are interesting questions that we try to solve on a day to day basis anubhav sometime back we had also spoken with ankit from credol on okin mm-hmm. and that also was a pretty fascinating discussion mm-hmm. i also very recently read that uh, you are also looking to build on okin so i'd really love if you could talk us through some of the considerations that were there in your mind when you were considering okin and sure. how you think it can help uh, drive scale in embedded credit business so i think again uh i'll go back to understanding the customer because that may help right. everybody relate to why oken comes into this discussion so if you look at find or if you look at any marketplace that we work with yeah the kind of customer base that they have is heterogeneous so on a find platform you have the smallest tier 3 town retailer also coming and buying and you have some very large multi brand outlets or mbos which are in the metros also buying from them these two are very different customers right one of them is a very small proprietorship probably doing sub 1 crore of turnover the other one is a large private limited registered entity doing multi crores of business on a monthly basis to expect one lender to serve both of them with the same kind of a journey with the same kind of an underwriting with the same kind of pricing is not possible so essentially at the back end while rupify integrates and embeds itself inside the marketplace or find systems in this case at the back end there would be multiple balance sheets that we would have to plug into right because there would be some right. lenders who would have a certain sweet spot there would be another lender who would have a certain other sweet spot when it comes to customer segments so it's our job to make sure that we try and ensure the highest approval rates and the highest coverage by bringing in lenders who cover all of these segments where oken comes in is how we create that standard layer for multiple lenders to interact with their multiple types of systems in the same fashion so imagine there is let's say an hdfc bank working with us mm. for the larger yep. retailers and there is an xyz nbfc working with us for the very small retailers and both of them are pricing products differently both of them are expecting credit data for underwriting differently because one of them is actually going after the more prime customers the more larger customers one of them is going after very small retailers so they expect us to collect some innovative alternate data as well how do you standardize this whole thing so that for find or for the marketplace it doesn't create any friction that i am trying to build something where they have to do two different integrations they have to build two different pipes for the mm. whole process that's where oken comes in and it says that hey ultimately what we are trying to do is five six things we are trying to get a customer to apply we are trying to take his consent 
to collect some data. We are trying to give him an offer from which he can choose. Once he chooses the offer, we are trying to get him to sign some kind of a digital agreement. Once the digital agreement is signed, we are trying to take some kind of a mandate so that we can collect repayments. These are the five standard things that we will do both in case of customer A with HDFC and customer B with that NBFC. So what Oaken helps us do is create these standard layers and we as Groupify build products on top of those standard layers where we go to HDFC and say that, hey, for you as well, I can create this product in a way that you can serve segment one. And for that NBFC, we can go and say that, hey, for you, we've created that product layer on top of Oaken so that you can serve your segment well. And for the marketplace, it looks like everything is going in the same fashion. I think that's where for us, it's very exciting how Oaken will change the whole landscape as it becomes more and more deeper inside these systems. And everybody, especially these large marketplaces, which have the customer and the data, start connecting multiple financial institutions and not just for credit, for other things as well. The standardization and democratization will happen once you have uh, some kind of a protocol. And I think we all know what UPI did to P2P and P2M payments. Right, right. And I think the similar will happen for B2B through Okin. I had another quick question. Let's say I'm an aggregator and uh, let's say I want to tie up with you uh, to get this embedded credit feature within my platform. Mm-hmm. How do the commercials work? Uh, does Rupify charge me or is Rupify paid uh, by the lenders? Is there some kind of a difference between the traditional loan distribution models and what Rupify offers? There is definitely a difference between the traditional loan distribution models because what typically happens is in the traditional loan distribution model, as as it says, the aggregator acts like your distribution channel for the lender. So they pay them a certain fee, right? It's like the typical DSA model where I am providing you a customer lead. So I need to get revenue for that, right? Correct. Now, in case of an embedded model, That also applies because, as I said initially in our conversation, the customer is on day one owned by the marketplace. It's their customer. We are trying to offer them a financial product embedding inside their journey. So they expect a monetization around it. So to answer your question, we really don't charge the marketplace for this. In fact, they expect some monetization for ensuring that we get a customer through them. However, the way this has panned out today is also we have to compare this to not the distribution channel based lending that has happened traditionally, but to the more traditional way of doing B2B transactions, which is the offline distributor and retailer relationship. Right. And when you compare it to that model, what you would realize is this customer who's coming to a digital marketplace, where would he go as an alternate? He will go to an offline distributor who would give him credit. So it's very important for this digital marketplace to offer credit in the first place. I think a lot of new age B2B marketplaces we are speaking to who have just started business, are present in one city, have started capturing market in that one city, have started seeing product market fit in that one location, have already started thinking about how can they embed credit to grow. Because I can clearly relate to their situation where all of their customers would be saying, hey, we will buy from you, but what about getting a 15 or a 30 day credit? And because of that, where they have realized that there are four pillars of growing their business, product, price, logistics and credit they will solve the first three and we will solve the fourth pillar so since it's so critical for them 
what we've seen is they actually end up paying for this service instead of monetizing it on day one. Hmm. So what these marketplaces do is the way a distributor gives 30 days of credit without any extra cost or with nominal cost to their retailers in the offline world. Some of these digital marketplaces today who are still early and they want to get more customers and they believe that credit could be a hook in their acquisition strategy are ready to pay us a portion for extending credit to their customers. And this fee that they pay us is essentially a service to their end customer where they say that, hey, for you, it's a 0% interest or a 15-day free credit product. Uh, We will bear that cost and we will share that with Rupify or the lender. Beyond that, if you don't pay and if, let's say, beyond 15 days, you need more 15 days of credit, that cost is borne by you. But up to that, I am ready to bear that cost. So that's one way we are seeing marketplaces Uh, working out commercials with us. There is also a more longer term relationship on a commercials front that we see happening with marketplaces where these marketplaces are telling us that, hey, we want to have more skin in the game because it's my customer. I'm doing the marketing. I'm promoting the credit line to him. I can help in the entire onboarding journey. I can maybe help you collect KYC because I know this customer day in, day out. I go and deliver physically the products to them. So I know where their office is, where their shop is. I have feet on street for helping you in collections. So can we create a structure where we do a joint sharing of revenue? I think that's where the model is going to evolve in the long run, where both parties, because this is a deeply integrated embedded journey we are talking about, both us and the marketplace have to see this as a joint operation and make money on this, not on a transaction level or on a fee level, but in a more sharing kind of a mode. And uh, what's the overall traction that we've seen since you launched on above? How many aggregators and SMEs are live on your platform today? Yeah, so I think uh, we've seen some good response. And uh, as I said, COVID has helped us get some great traction in the initial few months because whatever businesses were doing their transactions offline, because of limitations of physical movement of goods, because of limitation of physical transfer of money, because of limitation of the SME themselves traveling or doing these transactions, I think a lot of small businesses in India have moved to digital players. And that has led to these digital players realizing that, hey, this is the best time for us to give credit. Second, also because traditional banks and NBFCs have very limited appetite post-COVID to do lending. So Mm -hmm. we have seen a lot more traction for us because we right now believe that we understand this segment quite well and can go out and extend this product. So in terms of traction, Today, we have more than a dozen players, uh, the larger ones that we work with. Another dozen of them, we are in the integration stage. And these are across sectors. And I would say the beauty of uh, the model that we work in is that we can quickly go and take a marketplace live. So since you asked, how can a how can a marketplace go live with us? What does it take for them from a commercial standpoint? From an effort standpoint, it takes less than two weeks for them to enable a credit with us for their uh, customers. We today work across pharma, white goods, fashion, Kirana, e-commerce, retail, heavy engineering goods, food, uh, which is more for restaurants. So all these sectors we are present in from a from a traction perspective. And more than 1,000 customers are right now live using our credit lines. 
and it's just been four months since we went live with our first anchor. We call it anchor because I think that's where the whole thing is structured around. Correct. Yeah. So that's that's where we are. Anubhav, and looking ahead, two part question. First of all, what does the product roadmap for Rupify looks like? And the second part, how do you see embedded credit uh, shaping up in in our market in the future? I'll answer the second question first in terms of how we see embedded credit because that's exactly linked to our product roadmap. So we talked about one product which is a buy now pay later for uh, which is fully embedded. Embedded credit when we talk about can be in two forms. One where you power the purchase of an SME and two where you power a gap created when an SME is on the sell side. And this is where the second product comes in where you know we talk about a cash advance. So a cash advance is a product where let's say I am a seller on a marketplace. The marketplace knows exactly how much I sell every month, what volume I do, what GMV I do. Based on that, can they give me some kind of an advance loan against my future settlements where they can collect directly through my future sales? I think these kind of products is what embedded credit will see coming up where there is a clear control over the cash flows of an SME, whether it's the buy side or the sell side. The comfort comes from the fact that this SME transacts on this platform on a regular basis. The logistics of the marketplace help solve some of the challenges related to onboarding and collections. And the whole journey can be seamless. So I see that embedded credit would be part of not just SME side and in fact on consumer side as well. We've spoken mostly on the small business side today, but even on the consumer side. So if you go to if you go and take a cab today with Ola and you enter your destination as the airport, you must have seen that they ask you for a 45-50 rupee payment to ensure you're missing the flight in case that happens. Yeah, that's right. So that's exactly the kind of embedded products that we will see, not just on credit side, but on insurance side, on banking side. I think so that's that's the future where just by virtue of knowing the kind of transaction a customer is making, whether he's hailing a cab, booking a pizza or buying something on a marketplace, I can give him the delight of offering credit insurance or any other financial product in that journey. It has to be relevant and it has to be seamless. I think the moment it creates a redirection, a third party uh, interaction, some kind of friction, then it starts mimicking the traditional model of a of a, some kind of an agent acting alongside this marketplace. The more embedded it is, the more scale we will see in this model. And linking that to our product roadmap, I think we also are building the same way where we are focusing right now on these two products, where one is on the buy side, making sure that SMEs can buy on credit the way they have been doing in the offline space, but in a more formal and inclusive fashion. And also, if there is any working capital gap and I know the cash flows of a small business, can I just based on those cash flow comfort with minimal documentation, minimal friction, give him a credit and collect it later from source? I think if we can build that collections capability at source in both these models by having skin in the game of our embedded partner, that's where the scale will come in. If the embedded partner sees them as just a monetization opportunity or they see it just as another feature, I think then the scale will always be a challenge. Mm, that's uh, some interesting food for thought, Anubhav. 
it's been great speaking with you and thanks for sharing the work that uh, rupify is doing in the space of embedded credit for the benefit of our fintech listeners what's the best way to learn more about rupify and in case they want to collaborate with you on their aggregator platforms for example uh, what would be the best way to get in touch with you sure uh So I think we are uh, quite active on Medium in terms of creating thoughts on embedded credit, and in terms of reaching out. Again, we are very active on LinkedIn. That's the best way for anybody to reach out to us. Okay. We also have an option for somebody to go to the Rupify website and try and schedule a demo in okay. terms of how they can integrate and what does it take to get our APIs to start embedding this product into their overall transaction journey. So feel free. to reach out to us and we'll be very very happy to assist there all right uh, i'll i think we'll also add these uh, in the show notes so people have a easy way sure. to references as well uh, thanks sure. a lot anubhav for being on the show it was a pleasure interacting thanks hemant and elroy thanks for having me thanks thanks anubhav that's it for this week on india fintech diaries do pay a visit to our website indiafintechdiaries.com for exclusive content that ties into the episodes on the show we wish you have a fantastic year ahead and stay safe